Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. Agenda with women in the arts. Making space in your ears for art, politics, popular culture and trash from a feminist perspective. Good morning and welcome to Agenda by Women in the Arts. My name's Katie Winton and I'll be with you for the next half an hour. I'm joined in the studio today by my better professional half um, of Women in the Arts, Isabel Hawthorburn. Thanks to all the best for another great episode. And if you want to hear more fantastic radio documentaries, head to fbiradio.com slash all the best. Uh, good morning, I'm Isabel Hawthorburn and I work on Women in the Arts with Katie. Uh, so Women in the Arts is an organisation addressing gender inequality and exclusionary practices in the arts. And so Agenda is our radio iteration of Women in the Arts and it's a place where we'll be chatting about gender, art, politics, news and trash from a feminist perspective, whatever that means. So each Saturday from 10.30 to 11am we'll be picking the brains of some absolutely incredible people. Today we'll be talking to Melbourne artist Zoe Scolier, who's in Sydney uh, for a residency at Performance Space happening alongside Liveworks. Um, we'll be chatting to Zoe about her recent work called In the Round as a part of Women of Fairfield. We'll also be talking to Liveworks director Jeff Kahn and debuting a track by local artist Nadia Hernandez. More about that soon, but first we wanted to talk to you about something that you might have seen on the internet at the moment. It's an article that came out on Tuesday titled, An Australian Company is About to Open a New Co-Working Space Exclusive to Men, published on Junkie.com by Osman Faruqi. So for those of you who haven't read the article, it's about a pair of Brisbane entrepreneurs called Nomadic Thinkers, who are in the process of creating Australia's first co-working space exclusive to men. This space includes a gym, just thought I'd uh, add that one in there, it's important information. And to give you an idea of the tone of the article, here are a few quotes from Samuel Monaghan, who is one of Nomadic Thinkers' founders. I'm just going to read this out to you. We'd been working in coffee shops and at home, and it wasn't that conducive to working. We both had a mate who ended up in a violent situation with his wife. He pushed his wife over. Isabel, do you want to um, read his other quote? Sure. Uh, so Sam continues, We live in a stoic culture. As guys in Australia, we're told to suck it up. When women are around, we have trouble being vulnerable. We're helping men who are professional. It's a healthy environment for men. I'm 25 and I've grown up in a culture where we don't have any rites of passage. In other cultures, you go out and hunt in a forest for three days. We just hit 15 and start drinking. There's a real loss of identity for men. We used to go to war together. Girls do it better naturally. They have tea parties and stuff. Uh, so this is actually a really complicated concept and it raises um, some broader questions relating to exclusivity and autonomous spaces, specifically co-working spaces. So for us at Women in the Arts, for example, we are an autonomous space for women and gender non-binary people. And it's a place where we can, you know, foster a professional dialogue and of course have tea parties. <laughs> and yeah, so like most of us thinking and talking about gender in 2016, at Women in the Arts, we often defer to um, the OG philosopher and writer in uh, gender studies and queer theory, Judith Butler. Recently, she's been talking a lot about public assembly, and I think there are some similarities and some really interesting implications for thinking about the utility of autonomous spaces. So I'm just going to read you a quote from one of her recent articles. If a group of right-wing racists get together and say that they have been excluded from a public space, that does not accommodate racists. Then they are actually asking for a right to exclude others. They are trying to assemble and achieve public space for the expressed purpose of a racist and exclusionary project. That is hardly democratic in intent or in effect. 
So we were kind of wondering about whether all male co-working spaces are different and what it means to come together with people who reflect your own experiences um, and whether this can be a negative thing. Because obviously on face value, everyone's kind of making fun of these guys for um, doing this project. But it kind of, I, I don't know, I feel like it reflects something really troubling about the state of masculinity and, and the relationship between contemporary masculinity and, and feminism and the kind of tension between the two. Uh, so Katie and I have been running panel discussions throughout the year and our most recent one we got like, I don't know, it's not docs, but like trolled by trolled. a Trolled, we definitely got online trolled. We got trolled and so at first we were like, man, this is so screwed up, like <laughs> why are they being so horrible? And it was really like, it's super offensive, but not nothing we couldn't handle. But then we were thinking about it and looking at all the comments and we were like, this is really, really sad. Like there's something very troubling, I think, about um, this the, the backlash to feminism but I think, I mean, I don't know about the tea party part, but like some of the things they were talking about really does speak to a, like a crisis of masculinity, this idea that there aren't spaces for men to be vulnerable. Um, and I think that's, that's real. But I also feel like we're quite quick to shut down these ideas and like Bondi hipsters have already kind of <laughs> done a parody of them. Um, but I think that we find autonomous spaces as female identifying people we find it really helpful particularly for our you know professional lives and our social lives and queer people I think those autonomous spaces are incredibly yeah, they're important, important. Uh, for people of color lots of different groups that experience marginalization um, or oppression they're hugely important and so given this what I reckon is a kind of crisis of masculinity and or cri- just yeah. yeah a crisis of identity as crisis well I of think identity. yeah is it cool to have a male <laughs> you know like it's easy to say that this is like and I think that's what Judith Butler is kind of talking about if your autonomous space is about excluding people then that's not a good thing but if it's about you know coming together to support each other yeah well I guess it depends upon the dialogue that you're trying to foster if you're fostering something that is really about you know being negative towards other people or you know kind of fostering this I don't know people breeding their own opinions and in an autonomous space that can become something that is really agreed upon and it can become a vacuum I guess of things that are quite problematic so we'd really like to hear your thoughts on autonomous spaces have you experienced a space as a man have you experienced a space that is a very feminist space that you felt threatened by or excluded by and is that productive to your understanding of feminism please text us on 0409945945 or tweet us we recently have a twitter account Um, it's at capital w o m underscore n in the arts all one word Sure, and also let us know if you are a part of an autonomous space and if you find it really helpful for either your art practice or your professional life or your social life. We'd like to hear from you either side. (laughs) We would. Right now, though, I want to share a very special moment with you. I'm going to debut a track by Nadia Hernandez, Brock Fitzgerald and Wade Kieran. You might have seen Nadia's colourful, bold murals in the Sydney CBD or at Frida's. She does these really big, bold block shapes and wavy patterns. Fantastic work. This song is called The Summoning of Remedios Pulitzer. It was part of an exhibition called Waves that took place in North Head near the quarantine station in the old barracks in Manly. It's part of an ongoing exploration of music and visual art where Nadia speaks of traditions that are specific to her birth country of Venezuela. So she talks about this kind of notion of cross-cultural sampling and, you know, diasporic notions of, of living in another country but your home country is somewhere else. And she's wondering about the effects of migration in the evolution and appropriation of popular traditions. So Nadia is currently in Venezuela but I spoke to her recently about debuting this track and she sent me this really beautiful piece of writing about it. So I just want to read you a little excerpt from one of Nadia's descriptions of this song. It was like one day I woke up and didn't feel like I was inside of my body. I felt like my body was there, but I wasn't part of it. 
The pain was still there and I could feel it, but I was outside of it. I was in the air. I was in the sea. I was swimming. I was a plant. I had roots. I was the sunshine. I was my body. Reality felt lighter. I felt okay. I felt amazing. Every problem dissipated, moved away like steam emerging. It's present, subtle, but felt. It was still there. Everything was still there. Life was happening. It was the same old mess, but me. I was floating through time. I lost myself completely. Alien, inside, outside, within, jellyfishing through space. Or maybe that was how I felt when I summoned Remedios. So right now, this is The Summoning of Remedios Pulitzer by Nadia Hernandez. You're listening to Agenda on FBI. Te llamo, te llamo de un pueblo lejano 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 
sé la tradición. That was Nadia Hernandez, Brock Fitzgerald and Wade Kieran. Right now we're going to talk to Zoe Scolio, who's in the studio today to talk about her work as part of Women of Fairfield, which happened a few, maybe a month ago now. Yeah, I've lost track. Hi. <laughs> Hi. A few, maybe three weeks ago, let's say yeah. three weeks. Thanks for coming in, Zoe. So um, Women of Fairfield was a collaboration between MCA, the See Through West program of MCA, and Powerhouse Youth Theatre and Starts um, in Fairfield. So for anyone who kind of didn't get to see it, do you want to tell me a little bit about what your work in the round was? Yeah, so my piece, I was one of four projects um, commissioned to make a work in response to issues affecting women in Fairfield and engaging women of Fairfield on the streets of Fairfield. Um, And I'm from Melbourne, so it was a really interesting and new process for me to come over to Sydney and to the western suburbs and um, work with these three communities of women. Um, For the project, I engaged um, a Khmer community, the Iraqi community, and women from the Aboriginal community who lived in and around Fairfield. And my proposal for In the Round was to create soundtracks with the women through workshops and dialogue and create a framework that they could own and sort of input into. So we created songs, two of which were sort of circle dancing songs, traditional songs, and sort of made them contemporary and away and pumped them out of their cars that they decorated and they drove around the streets at Fairfield. And on the final night at dusk, they congregated at a central roundabout in a sort of street, spontaneous-esque ceremony. Yeah, fantastic. And so working with these communities or working with the different groups of women, like what was the... We've been talking on this show a little bit today about the value of autonomous spaces and about spaces that are all, in this case, for women. The kind of history of these groups or the, the fact that they come together to meet as women, like what was the... What do you think the importance of that was in terms of your work and in terms of the project in general? Um, it felt really important and really palpable, the energy um, that was generated through the meeting of these different groups of women. I worked with each group individually to begin with and it was a really different process that I used with each group and it was a very responsive process. It was the first time that I've worked with communities in a self-driven project in this way that I've led. So it was a big challenge and it was a very step-by-step process and um, a lot of the women, most of the women in the groups, they all responded really positively and immediately to my proposition which was great and um, sort of followed that and had lots of conversations with the women. Um, But it wasn't until quite late in the process that I got the three groups together um, for sort of a lunch at the end of one of the workshops. And it was hosted by the Guntawong Aboriginal Art Group at the Land Council and um, had this lunch 
which was amazing and chaotic and um, charged. We had around 50 women all meeting <laughs> each other and all this food everywhere and um, introductions and, yeah, the energy in the room was um, extremely powerful. Yeah. And a lot of the women um, were saying it was the first time they'd met other women from the different communities and it was a big thing, I think, for everyone involved. And also in terms of the work, like in terms of having these women kind of driving around, I mean, you, you used different cars to have them, well, you used and they used their own cars that they'd kind of adorned in these really beautiful um, decorations and they drove around the streets of Fairfield and they were so excited. They were beeping and they were honking and they were yelling and it was this very kind of, space that is quite normally like cars as a space on the road is very dominated by male culture in Fairfield um how did that feel for you to see that happen it felt like that was uh the success in the work um was seeing how the women engaged with it and owned it um and during the process of making the songs and working with the women I was really conscious of creating soundtracks with them and in discussion with them um, but I worked with musician Louise Terry to kind of compose these tracks with these beats and these shit rhythms um, that the women from the groups would feel ownership of and really respond to. Um, so it felt like a success when the women, yeah, were suddenly beeping horns, even some of the women that were more timid to begin with, because none of them were professional singers. They're all, mm. some of them was the first time and were really hesitant to begin with about thinking of songs that resonated with them or the sharing of songs. At the end, they were all sort of, as you say, sort of pumping their fists and yeah. like dancing in the back seat and tooting their horns and you know there was a really great energy and sort of causing havoc in the streets of Fairfield and you know people on the streets dancing along and yeah and, and it of, didn't feel aggressive either it felt like a real celebration no it was really celebrative that was sort of a big part of the whole work I think sort of yeah the power of celebration and in the street there's a lot there I think that can be unpacked and utilised. Definitely. I think it's sorry, I think it's interesting that you also talked about coming together to eat food together. Like that was the kind of moment where mm. all of those different, you know, groups came together and I think that's really special. Like you can't really plan for those things, but that's when those really organic conversations happen. You can do a lot of like consultations in kind of siloed meeting rooms. But when people can come together and particularly women when they can come together, share food it becomes this kind of really democratic space where people mm. feel comfortable, they feel pride, but it's also really, yeah, yeah can no, be really beautiful. Food was a big a big thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, originally, food was going to be part of the work as well, this okay. idea of hosting and generosity as a, an act of placemaking and ownership of space. Right. So that being brought into the public sphere is quite a political thing as well as a yeah empowering thing but that didn't end up happening for the event but as part of the process was yeah. integral and the women also having the opportunity to bring and share their own foods um, with each other. So as well as us providing food, mm. um, they also took great pleasure in bringing their own food um, and sharing that as yeah. well. And you're here at the moment for a residency program that's happening alongside LiveWorks. We're joined in the studio as well by Jeff Kahn. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for being here. And congratulations on such a fantastic program. Thank you so much. I am wired and tired, but I've, I've survived and I'm really happy with how it's all gone. <laughs> so maybe you can tell me a little bit about the residency that Zoe is doing as well. Sure. This is the first year that we've run it. And um, I guess our vision for LiveWorks is that not only is it an uh, Australian festival, but we think about it as an Asia-Pacific Festival. So for the next three years, we're going to be running what we call the LiveWorks Lab. And it's really about um, how can we support artist practice from across the region um, without you know, n apart from presenting people's work and, and working in that way. Um, and so each festival will bring together eight artists from across Australia and the Asia Pacific region. So there's artists um, in this lab from all over Australia, from Taiwan, the Philippines and Korea. 
And we really just invite them to come and engage with the festival. So um, Zoe is one of those artists and um, and we really invite them to sort of see every work in the festival as a sort of peer group. So it's about um, rather than us imposing a sort of set of instructions or, or, or tasks for the artists, it's about sort of opening up a space where they can meet each other and have a much more informal dialogue so that, you know, connections, if they arise, arise very organically and through this kind of just shared experience. Experience of, of experiencing the festival together. And then on Monday, we all head down to Bundanon in um, the southern part of New South Wales, a beautiful residency centre. And it's a 10-day open-ended residency where the artists can just work on whatever they're focusing on at the moment, continue their current research or, or whatever they're making alongside each other in a, in a peer environment. Amazing. That sounds like a very special trip and probably well-deserved after such a frantic couple of weeks. It will be nice to be down by the river (laughs) for a little while. Um, Well, I wanted to start by asking you how um, gender is explored in your curatorial vision for live works Mm. and how that's kind of maybe changed as you've been working through it and what that change means and looks like. I guess it's always been sort of really central to our work at Performance Space over the sort of, um, you know, last 33 years. It's really been a a real hub of artists who are... um, sort of pushing boundaries, I guess, exploring frontiers of feminism, particularly around sort of queer practices and really um, opening up diverse gender, sexed and gendered kind of positions in contemporary art. Um, And it's always been a really great um, interest of mine as a curator as well through my career. So, you know, it's performance space feels like a really natural home for me to continue that work. And I think it is a really important institution um, in Australia kind of pushing the agenda a little bit more progressively around those issues in in contemporary art. So, I mean, from a very practical level, you know, uh, nine of the 14 projects in Liveworks this year are led by women artists, Um, but sort of, you know, digging deeper into the thematics and the conceptual kind of end of things, there's a a lot of work that is... um, looking at, you know, from very different perspectives around people's contemporary experience of of sex and gender, from Mish Grigor's The Talk, which is um, based on a series of very frank and intimate conversations that she had with her family about their sex lives, to um, Ecosexual Bathhouse, which is around um, a sexuality um, founded on engagement with nature. So, um, yeah, I I guess it's really about, for me... um, sort of a broad range of alternatives and artists who are sort of bringing new perspectives into the, into that conversation. Yeah, I think even just looking through the program, that it's, it's palpable. Like, just, I think it makes you realise about the importance of representation and diversity and representation. Like, just, like, flicking through it, it's like, oh, this is so awesome. And it feels exciting, like, yeah. to look at the different voices that are heard. And even we've had fun just, like, looking through older shows and, like, older projects and being like, Oh, it's interesting to see the way that it's changed and the different kind of yeah. Yeah, conversations that have been had. So yeah, yeah. Even in terms of your curat- curatorial work, like your previous um, projects that you've done, mm. like Sexes, we were kind of looking at. Yeah. And and it's interesting to see the framing of of these kind of issues and how that's kind of unpacked differently. Maybe now, like, do you think that this kind of reflects a um a more nuanced conversation about gender in in Australia? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because when um. Uh, 
me and my co-curators Deborah Kelly and Beck Dean um, were, were curating Sexes as a festival. Um, it was, uh, and we've all always been, uh, you know, artists and curators interested in sex and gender in various ways. But when we were um, curating that particular program, it was when um, Julia Gillard was the prime minister, and it was really at the peak of all of the awful misogyny um, coming at her from all sides, from the mainstream media, and it just seemed like at that moment in history we're actually going backwards in terms of our conversation around feminism and around, you know, um, gender and sort of what we actually will allow as a culture in terms of how we speak about um, how we speak about women, how we talk about ourselves and our sort of, you know, it just felt like suddenly we were back 30 years. So it just seemed very urgent that we had this kind of very exploded conversation. And a lot of the works in that program, you know, there was sort of gentle, humorous works, but there were quite sort of um, political and confronting works in that program as well. Um, and so, you know, that, that, you know, looking back on that, you can sort of see how it came out of a particular moment in time. And, you know, in terms of live works, uh, uh, I just can't believe that, you know, this is the year of the sort of great failing around marriage equality, for example. Um, we're still having conversations about misogyny and, you know, we, we're seeing what's happening to Hillary Clinton in, in the United States. So I think, you know, for us, there's always this need to sort of maintain this fight and this battle to sort of shift the conversation into sort of more progressive territory and more productive territory. Do you think that in thinking about is it performance space as a part of Asia Pacific? Is that a new kind of pivot or is it always being kind of conceptualized as being part of Asia Pacific? Yeah, it's it's a relatively new thing. I'm, performance space is always engaged in artists from Asia, but I think this is the most focused and sort of um, consolidated pivot that we've done Um we sort of deliberately with a whole lot of different initiatives to engage the Asia Pacific from from the artist lab to curating more artists work from the Asia Pacific region into the festival. We've had um, an international delegates program that's brought over our colleagues from Asia. And for us, I guess that's around um, when we think about experimental art and live art, really often we look to Europe and America. And I think, you know, that to me speaks of colonization and it speaks of sort of, you know, where we're at in terms of dealing with our own diversity. So it's a kind of a, a bit of an intervention um, to try and reorient where we're looking, because I think there's a lot of amazing practice in this region that is very reflective and relevant to who we are that, that we're not looking at for one reason or another. Totally. And really interesting implications thinking about gender as well. I think in terms of like, a, I don't want to say Asian understandings of gender, but at least it complicates cultural understandings. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. We had um, Isa Hoxson from the Philippines yeah. um, in the festival last year. And actually um, yesterday it was just announced that the work she presented has been um, uh, taped into a Peaches video. <laughs> so that's a little like high five moment that we've all had today. Fantastic. Congratulations. Hey, thank you so much, Jeff and Zoe, for coming in to talk to us today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on our first iteration of Agenda. Oh, thank you. Thank Congratulations you. on thank the program. Thank you so much. Um, if you missed anything that we talked about today, we will pop it up on the FBI website. So just head to fbiradio.com forward slash agenda. We're going to leave you now with a track by Princess Nokia. This one's called Tomboy. Bit of a language warning on this one. Thanks so much. Stick around because up next we'll have back chat.
girl is a tomboy. That girl is a tomboy. That girl is a tomboy. Who that is, ho? That girl is a tomboy. That girl is a tomboy. That girl is a tomboy. Who that is, ho? That girl is a tomboy. That girl is a tomboy. That girl is a tomboy. With my little titties and my fat belly, I can tell your man if you finna let me, it's a guarantee that he won't forget me. My body little, my soul is heavy. My little titties be booking cities all around the world. They be fucking with me. I'm a Calvin Klein model. Come and get me. Set the resi up. Don't be fucking with me. My little titties are so itty bitty. I go locomotive. Chitty, chitty. Bang, bang. Gold hoops in that main chain. Ten boots are like four rings. Missy Elliott can't stand the rain. You lame thing the same games. Little titties and so damn pretty. Staircase in the crack, Philly. Little titties in a fat kitty. Big pants and some stuffed shoes. Papa Bow, Blues Clues. With my little titties and my fat belly. 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 Party, you come to my party, you go me my army, a room full of girls, and we actin' real robbie. 